place is apropos. You are not dead, crooked. Rice cake walk, baby. This guy went to flash you. Where does he come up with a thousand holes? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Nitromania podcast. Episode 21, dropping on 1121. How about that? And happy almost Thanksgiving to my American listeners out there. 21, of course, being the number of pips on a standard cubicle die, the key value and highest winning point total in the card game Blackjack, and most importantly, the number of sun rays on the national flag of Kurdistan. Uh, if you notice that my voice is a little wonky this week, I do apologize. I am actually recording this on Monday morning after staying home from work with a cold. And of course, this is the uh, Clash of the Champions episode. So we'll try to power through. We'll see what happens. We might have to do this next week. But if I can get through it, more power to me, I guess. Last week on Nitro, we were promised Ric Flair versus Macho Man for the heavyweight championship. And who knows? Maybe that will open the show this week. Also last week, the complete dead stop of the feud between the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen and the rest of a Nitro episode that really questioned my sanity and willpower. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, January 22nd, 1996, and we are live from Las Vegas, Nevada. We are live from Caesar's Palace, actually. Mongo and Pepe are wearing tuxedos. He tells us there are two title matches tonight, plus Hogan versus One Man Gang. Randy Savage will try and take his title back from Ric Flair, and Sting and Luger will try to take the tag titles from Harlem Heat tonight. Conan then appears out of nowhere holding a toy belt he bought at Walmart and tells us that tomorrow he'll successfully defend his Mexican heavyweight championship against Psychosis. Awkward. Your opening contest tonight, seriously, is the world title match. Honest to God, I wrote that as a joke, and yet here we are. Uh, Macho Man is accompanied by a harem of lovely ladies, one of whom they tell us is woman, as though we're supposed to know who that is when she's never been on Nitro before. Mean Gene... Pull up your socks and get ready. ...tries to interview Savage, but Hogan interrupts to wish Savage luck, shake his hand, and then immediately demand the first title shot when he wins tonight. Fuck you, Hogan. Bischoff tells us that Woman and Flair have a history, and I have no idea what they're talking about. He then tells us that tomorrow night at The Clash, Miss Elizabeth herself will reunite with Savage. That explains the multitude of women tonight, doesn't it? He also tells us that Kevin Green of the Pittsburgh Steelers will be here tomorrow night as well. I have no idea who that is. Flair immediately tries to fuck Woman and gets slapped in the face for his efforts. Savage attacks outside the ring, and Randerson rings the bell. Also, tomorrow night, the Road Warriors get back together. Savage's arm is still wrapped, by the way, so that must be a very serious injury. We go to break as Savage leaps from the top rope to the outside and gets nothing but barricade. During this break, an ad for WCW Magazine. Classic. The finish comes when Jimmy Hart jumps up on the apron to distract the referee. Arn Anderson runs out and Flair takes Savage over to him, arms behind his back. Savage ducks the knucks. Hey, that rhymes. And Anderson clocks Flair. Randerson sees this clearly, but does nothing as Hogan runs out to take care of Anderson. Savage goes to the top for the elbow drop as the bell rings. He pins Flair, and Randerson counts the pinfall, and the bell rings again, and Macho Man is your new WCW champion. Bizarre and confusing finish there. Mean Gene comes to the ring as Hogan celebrates like an idiot. Savage takes the mic and tells him, This isn't your victory, dickbag. 
Hogan takes credit for helping Savage win the match and demands a title match again. Savage tells him to eat shit and earn his title shot like anyone else, but then tells him he wants the title match here in Caesar's Palace. Savage says they'll have a match as long as afterwards they shake each other's hands, no matter who wins, Hogan or, more likely, Savage. Gene then sends us to commercial. Back from break for Dean Malenko versus Brian Pillman. Pillman is billed as Flyin' Brian again for some reason. Something happens in the crowd towards the beginning of this match as four Caesars Palace security personnel in green shirts are standing across from the hard cam talking and gesticulating at an unidentified audience member. This match also ends terribly as Malenko gets his leg caught in the ropes right in front of referee Nick Patrick, who still counts the pinfall. Utterly ridiculous. A surprisingly non-memorable match between these two. This Saturday night, Sting and Luger, Meng versus Johnny B. Bad, Harlem Heat versus the American Males, and Ric Flair versus Alex Wright. Back from break, and Bischoff mentions Kevin Green for about the 110th time tonight. Enter Harlem Heat for the tag title match. Sting has finally switched from Halloween colors to a yellow and blue color scheme. Luger oh! trails about eight feet behind his tag partner. This Luger thing, especially after last week, is making Sting look like the biggest goddamn moron on the planet. After the entrances, we take another commercial break. Luger and Sting dominate, then Luger enters the ring to distract Nick Patrick as Sting begins to put Stevie Ray in the Scorpion Deathlock. This allows Booker to axe-kick Sting in the back of the head. Sting is an idiot. Sting gets destroyed for another five minutes or so, then finally tags in Luger after avoiding a Harlem hangover. Jimmy Hart then appears to give Luger something, while Sting gets beaten up outside the ring because Nick Patrick didn't see the tag. Hart runs back to the back as Sting gets rolled back into the ring. Sting finally gets the tag, and Luger clocks Booker with the object in his fist. Turns out it's a roll of silver dollars, which Nick Patrick doesn't seem to notice all over the mat and Booker's chest. He counts the pinfall, and Sting and Luger are your new WCW Tag Team Champions. We come back from break for your main event. Honest to God, they actually fucking opened with the world title. I don't know. In a show with a world title match and a tag title match, an absolutely meaningless non-title match main events because Hogan. Fuck you, Terry. Fuck you forever. So it's Hulk Hogan versus One Man Gang as your main event. Bischoff mentions Kevin Green for the 402nd time as Hogan does his garbage. Punch, 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 big boot, body slam, leg drop, pinfall. Literally a three-minute match as your main event. Suck my dick. Zodiac runs out, Benoit runs out, Arn Anderson, Sullivan, Pillman, Savage comes to help, Giant appears, but Zodiac won't let him in the ring. Who fucking cares at this point? Everyone leaves, Savage and Hogan are in the ring, and we literally join them mid-conversation. Hogan again promises to become number one contender, as though he doesn't get what he wants anyways. They're talking about this future title shot at Caesar's Palace, like they'll be back there in a month or so. I'd prefer they never go back, so I don't have to see Hogan win another title, but what can you do? Back at the desk... Bischoff reminds us that two titles changed hands tonight, the day before a major event, because that makes sense. Heenan promises that Giant and Flair will destroy Hogan and Savage. Mongo interrupts him, something he'd been getting progressively more upset about as the night progressed, and Brain gives up and leaves. Except he doesn't leave. He stands behind Bischoff and yells at him while Bischoff signs off. I thought this was a decent episode of Nitro, aside from the goofy finishes of the first two matches, but I thought Clash of the Champions was like a Night of the Champions situation where titles are on the line. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Why have two title matches and two title changes the night before a big event? It just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Maybe I'm wrong about Clash of the Champions. Who knows? It's also likely that they were trying to counter-program against a live Monday Night Raw, since this is the night after the Royal Rumble. 
If you go back and watch anything on this episode, I would say watch the tag title match as it contained the least amount of dumb bullshit. Over on Cage Match, this episode of Nitro has a 5.62 rating out of 10 and brought in a 2.7 TV rating down from last week's ridiculous 3.5. Speaking of Raw, we get another viewer discretion warning, likely because of these sunny vignettes. Vader pins Savio Vega in his Raw debut, somehow making his nipple bleed in the process. Vader then beats up two referees and, in one of my personal favorite Raw moments, interim WWF President Gorilla Monsoon. Hunter Hearst Helmsley then defeats Razor Ramon by countout when Ramon decides to chase the 1-2-3 kid around ringside. We then get another Billionaire Ted skit. Doc Hendricks jams with the Raw band before Vince interviews Shawn Michaels about his Royal Rumble win. And in your main event, Bret Hart makes Goldust submit to the sharpshooter, giving the Golden Boy his first loss in WWF. This episode of Raw has a mind-blowing 7.13 rating out of 10 on Cage Match and scored a 2.9 TV rating, outscoring Nitro on both fronts. It finally occurred to me on this episode of Nitro that we're 21 episodes in, and the only thing that's ever happened backstage has been that terrible you-make-the-main-event-red-locker-room-blue-locker-room garbage. They do locker-room interviews on pay-per-view, so I wonder why they don't happen on Nitro. Now, with that thought rolling around in your brain, mates, let's move along to Clash of the Champions. A quick perusal of the WWE Network shows us that WCW ran Clash of the Champions twice a year up until 1997, when they just stopped happening. We open the show with two recaps of the previous evening's title changes. Tonight, Giant and Flair take on Hogan and Savage. Public Enemy take on the Nasty Boys. Conan will defend the previously unknown Mexican Championship against Psychosis. Sting and Luger take on the Blue Bloods. And Colonel Parker and Sherry. Get married. Your commentators tonight are Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Brain reminds us that Miss Elizabeth is here and Kevin Green is here, plus the return of the Road Warriors, and Shivani reminds us of the wedding. Then they send us to the Little White Chapel where the wedding will take place, and fans of the Raw Attitude podcast might recognize this quaint little place, though that Raw in question hasn't come up in the timeline yet over there. We then get a video about Public Enemy that we can't hear over their theme song. They then enter the arena and we can barely hear Tony and Bobby over their theme song. Enter the Nasty Boys to a theme song they themselves are rapping. It's just as bad as you think. We then get a shot of a young man in the crowd who is very awkwardly fake chanting for the Nasty Boys. The match immediately devolves into a brawl as Sags, I think, and Rock fight outside, and Grunge and Knobs, I think, fight inside. Sags crotches Rock on the barricade outside and then just leaves. Sadly, he returns moments later with a table. Nick Patrick eventually gives up and calls for the bell as Rock tries and fails to moonsault Sags, or Knobs, the blonde one, whichever, through a table. We then get a spot that actually made me laugh as Sags, uh, the black-haired one, just throws the table over the top rope directly onto the head of Johnny Grunge. Sags and Grunge then fight to the entrance as we're promised Alex Wright versus Dean Malenko when we come back. The only thing that can be said about this match is that it was mercifully short. We come back to Eric Bischoff at the entrance. He's interviewing Ric Flair and the Giant. Flair says he doesn't really care about losing the title last night. Way to sell the championship, guys. Giant promises to wipe Hogan and Savage off the face of the planet. Decent promo. A 30-second break for karate fighters, awesome, and a couple other things. Then Dean Malenko enters, accompanied by footage of Malenko refusing to release the cloverleaf on Alex Wright on Saturday night. During this match, we get our first CompuServe mention. Thanks, 90s. A pretty good technical match ends with a jackknife cover that really looked like a kickout to me. I've watched it a number of times, and I'm still not sure Randerson actually counted three. 
We're promised the barn burner of Kevin Sullivan versus Disco Inferno when we come back. Disco enters dressed like Elvis because it's Vegas. Actually, I'm not sure that's actually Disco. Elvis does a horrid impression but says he's got a singing telegram from Disco. Ah, Disco's not there, he's at the wedding, so Sullivan beats up Elvis. Jimmy Hart tells us that the Taskmaster hates Elvis impersonators. Speaking of which, Gino is still at the chapel for the arrival of Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater. Bischoff then brings out the tag champs, Luger and Sting. They are interrupted by the Road Warriors in a non-trademark infringing set of blue spiked shoulder pads. They challenge Sting and Luger to a title match. Sting agrees. Luger does not. Hawk talks about his beans quota, and we go to break. Back from break for a one-on-one interview with Mr. Wonderful, he tells us it's a career-ending injury, then mentions Gary Spivey. He then talks about the horseman and says he's old school and he'll beat respect into Brian Pillman. He then accuses Flair and Anderson of intentionally trying to end his career, as though they may have accidentally done the spike pile driver. Then we get a shot of Gary Spivey in the crowd. God... Then we go back to Mean Gene at the chapel. The colonel arrives and asks to borrow 50 bucks from Gene to pay his cab fare. Sherry then calls him on his phone. This is chaos. Back from break, enter Brian Pillman. He's taking on Eddie Guerrero. There is a gentleman in the middle row of the section by the ring who jumps to his feet and begins molesting himself every time he realizes he's on camera. Pillman ends up outside the ring a few times. On his second pass by the announcers, he decides to remove Bobby Heenan's jacket, which leads to this gem. Wait a minute! Run that by me one more time, Brain. Okay, once more for posterity. Yeah, Bobby Heenan dropped an F-bomb live on TBS. Not only that, but it made it through to the WWE Network completely uncensored. Heenan begins to leave, likely realizing what he had just done, but then returns to the booth with this. Are you back with us here? I'd like to apologize if I said anything. I shouldn't have off call or anything, but... I mean, I, the, the man was going for my neck. He was going... I, I was... I was Concerned for my own well-being. He's a loose cannon. He'll turn on anybody. And if I said something I shouldn't, I apologize. We forgive you, Brain. The match then actually seems to start at this point. Pillman is really playing up the crazy here, and it's actually kind of beautiful to watch. Heenan, the consummate professional, is still rooting for Pillman, even after being assaulted, to the bewilderment of Shivani. Match ends shortly thereafter, after an awkward crossbody and a handful of tights leads to the pin, despite Guerrero's shoulder also being up. Back to Bischoff in the aisle, Bischoff's suit jacket looks about two sizes too big. He welcomes Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan and this Kevin Green fellow. They rant and rave like lunatics about secret weapons that aren't actually secrets because they're telling us about them. The first secret weapon is Kevin Green, and the other is Miss Elizabeth, which means they were never secrets because they told us about them last night on Nitro. Back from break, enter the Blue Bloods, Lord Stephen Regal and Earl Robert Eaton. Sadly, no sign of Paul F. Tompkins. Enter Sting and Luger as we and we go to break. We're over halfway through the show now, and I have no idea why I'm watching this. It seemed like it was going to be a pay-per-view level event, but these matches have all been meaningless, and as far as I can tell, the only title match here is that Mexican heavyweight championship that we only learned about last night. This is a meaningless show, and I'm wasting my time. Sting starts the match off with Regal, and I must commend Regal on the way he sold the boxing of his ears by Sting. Fantastic. Apparently, this actually is a title match, which means there's no way Sting and Luger lose. 
Sting eventually makes Eaton submit to the Scorpion Deathlock, and we go back to Mean Gene. Harlem Heat have arrived, Sherry finally arrives, Parker gambled all his money away, and somehow this means there's nowhere for Sherry to change. This makes her cry. Bischoff drops the third CompuServe reference of the evening as we get a video of Jimmy Hart pretending to type on a laptop. Go back and watch that. That was funny. Bischoff welcomes Pillman, who threatens to say the seven words you can't say on television. He then takes a cue from Orndorff and talks about respect. Up next, the Mexican title match. Enter Psychosis when we return. Mike Tanay is on commentary as our resident foreign guy expert, just as he was for the Japanese women's match at World War III. Conan makes Psychosis submit, and in all honesty, I'm pretty sure I fell asleep during this match. Back to the chapel as Sherry tries to change in the back of the limo. Jean offers to give away the blushing bride. We then get an ad for the hotline. Jean walks Sherry through the parking lot to the car while Jean talks about her call to Parker earlier. She denies having called Parker earlier, and nothing else is made of it. They are standing at the drive through window, thereby negating the idea of a drive through Then Medusa attacks Sherry, and they brawl. Tony says she came from Parker's camper. Heenan suggests it was Medusa that Parker was talking to earlier. We get a shot of Disco Inferno keeping two bottles of champagne safe, and we go to break. We come back. We're promised the main event in 30 seconds after these ads for Hot Pockets, Slim Jims, and Karate Fighters. It needs to be mentioned that during the Karate Fighters ad, they put text on the screen in huge white letters that says, Some scenes shot in slow motion, as though we're fucking retarded. Back to Caesar's Palace for Michael Buffer and your main event. For the Mega Powers entrance, we get a long shot of the video screen, which shows footage of him beating up Vader. Uh, Hogan, that is, beating up Vader. That has to be on purpose, as he had just debuted in the WWF two days prior at the Royal Rumble. They're accompanied by Kevin Green and the same cadre of women from the night before. Elizabeth gets her own entrance, which Buffer calls unbelievable, because he doesn't watch or apparently give a shit about the product he's promoting. I mean, it's not like they talked about it last night or even fucking mentioned it earlier tonight, you dumb shit. We then take a break. Back from break, and apparently Ric Flair was bad-mouthing Green during the break. The bell rings, and Kevin ends up in the ring, leading the Mega Powers to get disqualified ending the show. Alright, sadly, that's not true, but wouldn't it be wonderful if it was? After the elbow drop, Jimmy Hart jumps on the apron to distract the referee. This brings Macho over, which gives Jimmy the chance to throw a set of knucks to Flair. Flair clocks Macho, pins him for three, match over. Thankfully, it wasn't that long. Zodiac and Brian Pillman run to the ring and get cleared out by Hogan and Kevin Green. Everyone checks on Savage as we go off the air. As I said earlier, there was a whole lot of nothing here. I honestly regret watching this show. It really felt like a waste of time. Over on Cage Match, the show has a 4.71 rating out of 10. The show got a 4.5 TV rating, however, which seems unreasonably high. Uh, Note to self, take a pass on the other three Clash of Champions events that are going to come up during this show. And with that said, that does it for this episode of Nitromania. Send me your feedback to rundownwrestling at gmail.com or tweet me at rundownpodcast. Let me know what you think. If you want to see me live and in person, come on out to APW Full Force Elimination on Saturday, December 9th in Salisbury, Massachusetts, or Liberty States Wrestling Holiday Havoc, an appropriately named event for this show on December 16th in Peabody, Mass. I'll also be attending Clash of Champions on December 17th in Boston. So if you can find me at the Garden say hi i guess uh please do check out all the shows here on the rundown feed and give the other hosts some love and take a listen to all the shows on the questionable endeavor network like this fine piece of business
Sup, bitches. We're Pwn Stars, a video game podcast about developers, one host obsession with Genji's butt, and other random shit. Also, we give you gaming news that you probably already knew the fuck about. Who likes Genji's butt? Who knows? Just ask us. So join us every week for your dose of random gaming. So random, half the time, we don't even know what the fuck we're going to talk about. Josh, got anything to add? I don't do good with the short stuff, only the long stuff. That's what she said. Giggity. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and always on the Questionable Another Network. You can find out more information about that show and many other shows over at questendnetwork.com. And finally, please come back next week for an all-new episode of Nitromania. And again, happy Thanksgiving to all my American listeners out there. <laughs>